What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me for another episode. Today, I am flying solo. Elliot couldn't make it tonight, so we're going on without him. But we got an awesome guest coming in today. Um, I will be talking with Dave from Finisher. He's one of my good buddies. Um, we've hung out at a lot of expos, and he's just a real awesome dude, real great American entrepreneur. So can't wait to get into the episode today with him. But before we do that, guys, um, I want to jump in to. But before we do that, guys, um, I want to give a quick thanks to our partners and then we'll get right into it. First off, I'd like to give a big thanks out to Boss Shot Shells. Um, guys, we've been using their shells for a couple of seasons now. And man, I am in love with the 20 gauge, three inch number fives. They are perfect for going after the ducks. Um, for geese, I definitely go a little, a little bit. A little bit higher. Um, I'm running the 12 gauge number threes this season um, for the geese. I've ran fours and fives in the past for geese. Um, that's just my preference. But guys, they are an American made shell, high quality. Um, the big plus to them is their bismuth. So you get um, a more dense pattern because you can go up a size and shot, getting more BBs in your pattern, having the same oomph. Not only that, but they're copper coated. So they kind of beat out the competition all around for anybody else that, that has a bismuth offering. So anyways, guys, definitely check out Boss Shot Shells at BossShotShells.com. Also like to give a big shout out to Gunner Kennels. They're American made, double wall, rotor molded, five star, crash test rated. They're perfect for taking your trips with your, your hunting companion. You guys know that I've been doing a lot of those from the chasing the opener now to we're in season. Um, and I got some some more awesome trips planned out. But every trip I'm going on, Chief's right there in the gunner kennel. I got peace of mind knowing that my hunting buddy is going to be safe and sound back there. He's probably more safe in that gunner kennel than anywhere else in the vehicle. Um, and not only that, but uh, just just the testimonials we've seen, the videos, um online seeing seeing testimonies from people who have had accidents and their dog comes out unscathed we put a lot of time and effort into our dogs and not only that but they're just our best our best buddies and hunting companions so you want to do whatever possible to protect them um, and gunner kennels is going to get the job done for that so t check out gunner kennels and use the promo code deck gun space 10 for 10 percent off at checkout also, guys, I'd like to give a big thanks out to HTR Innovations. Um, a couple things that are new this season um, with with um, HTR Innovations is uh, some big updates to the gun stand. I'm sure a lot of you guys know. Actually, I know a lot of you guys have because, um, as many of you know, I work over there at HTR Innovations. So I've been seeing the promo codes, codes rolling through and tons of gun stand marsh stand pickups um but definitely awesome product over there the updates on that accessory clips for the blind bag and for the game strap just an overall new design super lightweight with a cool logo uh lasered into the tray um not only that but another big one we got right now um as well is the boot and waiter hanger um but you guys can find all that over at htrinnovations.com and a lot of other stuff as well but uh, go ahead and use code DuckGun10 at checkout for 10% off your order over there as well. Also, guys, I'd like to give a big thanks out to Motion Duck's uh, Motion Duck decoy spreader system. Um, I've been running that, actually, since the start of the Indiana opener. It's been about three weeks now. That's the only thing I've ran um, pretty much since we had uh, <laughs> them on the podcast. You know, um, I, th I think I've used some other motion-type 
systems and just you know the spinning wing type type decoys. I've almost I feel like I've been using those as a crutch a crutch since I've started um, you know duck hunting and. Uh, I really wanted to put motion ducks to the test, and man, I've been loving it. That's the only thing I've been using. Um, no other decoys, just the spreader. I've actually ran it up to eleven, um, but you know, I think my preferred right now is just run it as the ultimate with seven ducks. So uh, definitely check out at those. Like I said, guys, it is a motion duck decoy spreader. It is the a jerk rig on steroids. Gives lifelike motion. The best way to really see what I'm talking about is check out videos. Elliot got videos, and I have videos up on our YouTube channel to see the lifelike motion that Motion Ducks gives you. Also, like to give a big thanks out to Bandit Avery and Grid Headgear. Guys, I've been using the Red Zone 2.0 waders all season. Um, just want to highlight how how much I've enjoyed using those breathable waders. Um, no issues with holes or snags or leaks um and it's got a nice brush guard from the waist down um that's separate from the waders and man i've been i've been trudging through some thick and nasty swamp stuff here in a lot of the most recent hunts and you know it just amazes me how well that they're they're holding together um no leaks at all i know they got a bad rap to start with but i can tell you right now we're not having any problems with those red zone 2.0s at all um so definitely check that out Everything they got, I mean, they got decoys, hunting gear, um, camo, you name it, apparel. Definitely some awesome stuff over there at banded.com. Also like to give a big thanks out to Onyx. Um, again, guys, <laughs> another product I've, I've been loving to use this year, and they're a new partner with us this year. Um, but, you know, I've used them in the past before that, but even more now I've been diving into it a lot more. One, I wouldn't say hidden feature, but to me it wasn't, something that I was aware of right away is they actually have wind direction in there. You can click on a, a piece of property and it'll show you the the wind direction forecast. I know I've got screwed on that in the past setup at, you know, four in the morning when you get in super early on a hunt. And then by the time it's shooting light at seven, the wind has changed directions on you and you're screwed. So you can check that forecast, make sure you're setting up beforehand um, and, and, you know, get lined up the way you need it. Uh, but you know, really the, the main feature for that is knowing property boundaries and, um, you know, public land versus private land boundaries. And not only that, but knowing who the owner is of private property. Um, I was able to secure, um, one of my favorite places to hunt this season, the snake swamp. I was able to secure that by finding the land owner's, um, tax information, their address, going to their house, knocking on the door and getting permission. So, um, I can't say how much Onyx has come in the clutch this season also like to give a big thanks out to Finisher. They're our guests for tonight, um, and we're going to have a great podcast with them. Uh, but I wanted to give them a shout-out for <laughs> um, their product. And the main product that Dave has over there at Finisher is obviously the Finisher. And it's just a super easy product to dispatch your birds um, in a way that's never been easier, easier than before. Um, gone are the days of wringing the neck and having issues with that or having to do the Cajun crunch, getting diseases or or any other kind of bad things that can happen from that. Um, not only that, but it's just our responsibility as hunters to be good stewards of the animals that we're harvesting. Um, you know, taking them out in a humane, quick, decisive way. Decisive way. Um, and the finisher is definitely the tool for that. So definitely check those out as well. You can use code DuckGun15 for 15% off over there at Adrenal-Line.com. All right, so without further ado, let's go ahead and get Dave on the phone, and we'll jump right into it. Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. 
and shooting limits, well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, and today we don't have Elliot with us, but our guest for tonight is Dave from Finisher. How are you doing tonight, Dave? Great. Hope you're doing as well or better. <laughs> I'm doing great, man. It's it's waterfowl season. It's everybody's favorite time of the year, so I cannot complain at all. Um, we do have a little bit of a warm a warm front coming in, so I could ask for a little better a little better weather, but um, doing great. So, um, how about you guys way over there on the west coast, over in New ne- New Mexico? How you doing, man? I wish I could say we are smashing ducks, but I have not been able to get out. So I have no idea how the duck migration has been here. I will say that we had our first snow um, a few weeks ago, maybe a week ago, which is super unusual. So maybe that <laughs> helped bring some birds down. But uh, as far as I know, I haven't seen much uh, bragging pics um, in my little Facebook group. So hopefully it's not too good to where i'm gonna miss it whenever i'm able to finally go out yeah no uh i mean that's definitely when i think of new mexico i don't think of snow so i mean do you guys is that something you guys get like annually or is snow pretty uncommon there honestly we get a snow at least maybe once twice a year um but if it is they usually like a dusting if it's not a dusting it'll snow you know you know a pretty decent amount but it'll be gone usually within one two days um the weather here is pretty crazy. We'll get, we'll be freezing temperatures one day and the next day you're in a t-shirt. Um, <laughs> it's just kind of odd. I mean, last week was freezing and this week for, you know, you can wear shorts and t-shirts, you know, it's just, that's just the way the weather is. I kind of like it that way. Uh, I couldn't enjoy having just straight weather as far as like snow every day. Some people love it, but, uh, I'm just not that type of guy. I kind of like New Mexico. We have like almost all seasons, um, pretty frequently. Uh, as far as like, I guess I'd just say steadily as far as like, you know, fall, winter, spring, summer, um, we get a good amount of each one. So that's why I like New Mexico that much. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. For me, the only time I really care too much about the snow is during duck season. You know, um, some of my favorite hunts are, are definitely snow hunts, but besides that, yeah. Um, somebody else can keep the snow, but, um, I kind of want to circle back around and, you know, uh, give you an, another introduction. So I've known Dave for um, a good while now. I mean, a few years, uh, met Dave going to expos for HDR Innovations, and um, we've actually uh, shared Air, Airbnbs for expos a few times. And um, man, I, I tell you what, just uh, hanging out with Dave, he's a riot and it's a ton of fun. And not only that, but sitting next to him at a booth, um, I always say this, and, and, <laughs> and he has a funny answer to it, but I always tell him he's a shark because um, he's a true... Uh, American-made entrepreneur um, with his finisher business. So uh, I've learned a lot kind of hanging out with him and, and seeing him, uh, you know, doing what, what he does, working as a small a small businessman. So um, Too much, man. I, I, I told you, I, I showed you too much of my tricks to where <laughs> you guys outsell me in lanyards now, and that's pretty disappointing. So <laughs> I'm not going to show you any more of my stuff when oh, I'm out man. these expos. It's, it's been working out pretty good, so... <laughs> It was, yes, I know, but I'm going to have to think of something else to 
to help out. So actually, you guys will be buying my lanyards now going forward. So uh, <laughs> it'll be okay. So it's okay if you learn my tactics, I guess. There we go. So the only problem is with COVID and 2020. I mean, it's been a crazy year, and I know you've been you've been mentioning some of that to me off air. But um, you know, it's it's been a crazy year, and and we actually haven't got to hang out, you know, here recently because all the expos and shows have been they've been canceled. So um, you know, definitely uh, not an easy easy thing for you know small businesses in the waterfowl industry that depend on the show industry and, and all that so um but yeah you you actually been telling me some other crazy stories so I mean, do you want to dive into some of those as far as men expos we could touch on that first uh covid like you mentioned man has killed so many things in my business um as you mentioned i'm a self-made entre- uh entrepreneur I mean, I guess is there any other way of being self-made as an entrepreneur? <laughs> I don't think so. So that, that totally didn't make any sense. <laughs> so we'll just backtrack. So I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, basically, I just try and do as best as I can with, with business ideas that I come up with. And, you know, the finisher, we've been doing that for at least, I think it was like February of 2013 is when we launched. So we've been doing this a while. Uh, it's probably on your last podcast talking all about the business. Um, so 2020 has been unique. So we would have been probably done our best year most other businesses that i've talked to uh people have been killing it online i mean most people have been home they're just shopping online i guess it's kind of a compulsive thing to do i'm sure everybody's been on their phone a lot more than they normally would have uh had there not have been covid and everything closed down so you would think as an online business uh, we would be killing it and we typically would and we've had a lot of lot of bad, bad things come up with us for 2020. It has been one for the record books as far as probably a year I do not want to ever have again. (laughs) Um, But it's been a learning uh, experience as well, showing me different things that I need to work on as far as a business owner and bringing the best to my customers. So touching on the expos first all the expos have been canceled so that's a good chunk of change for us um i tend to think a lot of everyone says that you know expos are dying considering that you know you have internet and uh, a lot of people do all their shopping online which is true um but i think expos you get a lot of the people who like to put their hands on things you know a lot of people don't know that our product is you know two and a half inches big on some of the and some of the other ones, it's a little bigger. But they're like, wow, I never knew it was so small. I thought it was so big um, as far as the product side. So so at these expos, you get these people that are saying, you know, I've seen this online, but I've never purchased it because I've never put my hands on it. So they go to these expos and they buy it. So that's just a good way for me to reach customers that would rather buy in person than online. And, uh, you know, it, it's good. I, I enjoy talking to customers and I really enjoy talking to customers that, think the finisher is a joke and actually flipping them and getting them to buy the product after I educate them on the importance of why we do what we do. Um, so it's been a bummer, man. We, we've been attending almost like anywhere from 10 to 15 expos throughout the country a year um, from California all the way to Maryland. I mean, we, we go from one edge to edge of the country every single year, um, gone about three months out of the year doing all these expos and I do have other people that I hire along the way to do them for me. Um, so everything we've normally done have been canceled 
uh, this year. So it's caused me to be a little out of the box thinking as far as trying to get it into those customers' hands. Uh, it's been a little slow going, but you know, we're, we're doing it. Problem is, which leads into your other questions and all the other stuff we talked about prior to this, uh, podcast. Um, addition to 2020 closing expos, had I, we've been able to attend expos, I still wouldn't have been able to provide customers with the product they needed, which I'm sure some of the customers listening now, and maybe it'll make sense to you guys now that you hear the whole story. Um, we buy our product once or we buy our product about twice a year. I tend to buy it at the end of the year, like right around December, I'll put my orders in earlier than that, but I'll pay in full in January. So I don't have to worry about inventory and everything. So I told my manufacturer and here we are, we're overseas. Yes, I know. Everyone's like, Oh my gosh, overseas. Can you guys are overseas? <laughs> Here's the deal about overseas. Um, yes, we get our product made overseas. However, everything done after that point is in the United States. I get my packaging in the United States. I get my artwork made in the United States. I get my painting done in the United States. We package in the United States. We ship from here. I mean, you're employing more American-made business in states than we are overseas. And the reason why we go overseas is because I want to provide our product at a cost where I can wholesale it to the stores at a cost that you guys as consumers would afford in the stores. So for instance, had I done all of this in America, which I, we started running an American version, which we can touch on later, but just to give you guys a little run through, I sell my product for 20 bucks. Okay. So I have to, I have to make some money on it and stores have to make money on it. I get my stuff made here in America for like around $10 each. But my wholesale cost to these stores was around 8 or $9. So I would basically pay these stores to sell my product across the country in America, like American-made, 100% American-made product. That's just not plausible. The only other option is I need to make some money, so I have to double the cost. So instead of you guys paying 20 bucks, now I'm selling the, my product to the stores for at least 18 to $19 so I can make my money back from shipping, painting, and taxes, um, and shipping it to the store. So I have to pay for shipping to me, and plus I have to pay shipping to the stores. Um, so I'm going to make you know a few bucks, and I have to make a living. I have to feed my family and stuff like that, so I hope you guys understand that. So I'll be selling my product around 18 to $20 in return. The store wants to make at least 40 to 50% back on their investment. So they're going to want to be the price of the product is going to have to be around, you know, around $40, a little under $40. And I don't know about you, but to pay 40 bucks for a little piece of metal, a little brass, a little brass piece, isn't going to happen. Most of your guys are going to go out there. I see it already. And I offer products at $8 already just to, try and offer something that, you know, they're blemished products, but I try and offer you guys something cheap. But just to think about it, you guys are going to pay 40 bucks in the retail store for a 100% American-made product. Now, I hope you guys understand the reason why we went overseas, just so we could offer you guys something at $20. $20. But like I said, we pay everything in states. I try my best to do that. Which, all this roundabout comes back to 
expos and being out of stock. So we fry our product at the end of the, um, of December. So I usually try and get it in this in January because they closed down for Chinese new year. Well, they closed down for Chinese new year. We get everything ready. And, uh, after Chinese new year happens, we get COVID. COVID hits shuts their factories down even longer. So now I'm looking already around a March time to get my product. Well, I don't know how bad COVID hits this company that I worked with for three years already. They decide, I guess, to only send me 3,000 pieces of my full order and a bunch of clamshells for my product. Like I said, I get the artwork here, but I get clamshells overseas. So I'm like, they sent me a picture and said, your order is complete. Please finalize the last of your payment. So I looked at it. I saw pictures. I said, okay. I've worked with these guys for three years. So they send the product. It gets stuck in port forever. It takes about 30 to 45 days for it to ship from across the seas. So I'm knowing this. I know I have shields back ordered already. And I'm like, you know, I need to have an emergency order. So I asked them, you know, can you guys airship me some product and how quick can you get it here? They said 15 days. I said, okay, give me a thousand pieces of emergency shipment so I can fulfill my store orders. I order a thousand pieces. Shipping alone is $800 for uh, airfare. Typically overseas for the amount of product I get, it's like around $2,000. So just give yourself an idea that a little tiny amount of product to air freight was ridiculously expensive. Wow. Yeah. I'm taking a cut <laughs> in this already, but I'm like, you know what? It's worth it to make sure my stores are in stock. They're satisfied. And then they can still sell to the customers. So I make this air shipment in because we're already looking at March, April. And they said they were 15 days. Well, next thing you know, 15 days comes and passes and my stuff still stuck in California. My air shipment hasn't showed up yet. I have my air shipment going directly to our painting facility in Austin, Texas. Uh, so nonetheless, here we go in May, June. Finally, my, my freight from my shipment overseas comes in. My air shipment still hasn't even left. They made a label, but they never shipped the stuff. So my stuff finally shows up. And the three pallets come in. I'm excited. I tear it down and I start breaking it down and, and uh, you know, putting all the stuff aside to look at my product to make sure that it's quality control. Because I look at every single finisher that goes out the door. I make sure it is in pristine condition for my customers because I want to make sure they get a good product. Um, and then the stuff that doesn't make the cut become ugly ducklings. You know, they have blemishes and stuff like that. So. Anyways, I, I, I tear down this whole pallet of three pallets and I'm looking and the, finally I see two, three boxes. And I'm like, oh my gosh, out of all these pallets, all I have is three boxes. There's no way my full order is inside of here. Sure enough, there's only 3,000 pieces available. And how many, how many were you supposed to have? <sighs> A lot. <laughs> <laughs> A lot. 20,000 plus pieces. Oh, know. wow. Uh, I don't want to give exact numbers, but it, it was above 20,000. And uh, that's my first order. And I said, I usually order twice a year. So I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You know, and this, this is a big one of my bigger orders. So, you know, I spent, I save up. So I, you know, we only make our money every four months, like four months out of the year, I make my money and then I have to save that, make it work for an entire year. And then I have to save that money as well to use it to buy more merchandise for the following year. 
So getting that and seeing that I only have 3,000 pieces, I knew immediately this is not going to be a good thing for me and my company. So I get that product. I sift through it real quick. I sort out the ugly duckling. We switch painting facilities because the guy we were using was just terrible. Like he had he, everything, every excuse of the book, our painting facility that we had before, the guy had like every single excuse, everything short of my dog, you know, my water heater broke in the, in the basement, <laughs> the water froze. My dog was sleeping down there and he froze to the floor. You know, that those are the type <laughs> of excuses I got from this guy. Every single time I was asking about the product, cause you know, customer we're always out of stock. So I told that guy, Hey man, you know, we've had a good run, but it's time for me to move on. I'm moving to another facility. This guy sends me all my products with all my wiring all over their stencils all over it. They're dirty. And he just sends everything that he had in a box and just threw it in there and gave it to me because we were parting ways. And I worked with this guy for a while too. So I get 3000 pieces. I have a new painting facility <laughs> that I'm trying to use. And, uh, so my product's been over there since labor day. I have not received one box yet from my new painting facility. Prior to that, I sent them like a couple, I don't know, maybe a thousand finishers or something like that to do a bunch of, you know, samples for me and stuff like that for, uh, our new stuff. And, uh, we sold out of that within, you know, you know, not even a month or something like that of all of our new stuff that I had them test out and I was checking their quality. They did a great job. But anyways, so they've had my product since then. So we've been out of stock with 3000 pieces. I had to get a new manufacturing facility in the process. So I call around. I have this new company that I'm using. They find me a facility for me. It's happened to be in the same city as my old manufacturing facility. And I tell the guy, I'm like, hey, here's the deal. Here's what happened to me. This guy has my molds. Can you get my molds back for me so I can save cost on molds? You know, they're expensive. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, sorry, I'm talking a lot, man. I'm just, there's a lot to go over. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the guy over there the, was like, okay, you know what? I'll be down now. I'm your uh, quality assurance. Uh, manager overseas liaison type deal. I said, do it, man. So, so he goes and, and I'm like, here's the address. And he goes to, goes to this address and it's not there. He writes me and calls me and he's like, uh, sorry to break the news to you, but the address you gave me is there's no one there. There's nothing there. Mm. I'm like, here's the guy's name. Here's the phone number. <laughs> here's the company name. See what you can do. So he finally gets a hold of this guy. Apparently they talk. He gets a meeting going. And uh, he finally shows up to the facility and calls me and is like, I have some bad news for you. And I'm like, what now? And uh, he tells me, he's like, I don't know how big you think this facility was or how big they told you they were. <laughs> but it is, uh, and I don't know if you ever watched Narcos or not. Uh, I have not watched it. It's, it's a bad show. So you, I'm glad you never watched it. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about a drug rink, right? And they're, they're like these uh, third world countries. And a lot of them have like the, like, the, the, the villages that they have have like these huge buildings with like a bunch of homes and apartments, I guess, is inside of this one building, like just a huge complex. Huh. So anyways, this building is like that. Jeez. Like it's just a bunch of like buildings, like homes and stuff like that inside of this one large building. And you see this one picture of a garage, one single car garage. And he's like, 
the single car garage is your facility. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> oh, wow. Luckily, there's no child workers there. You know, <laughs> I made sure of that. Uh-huh. But he said, this is this guy was your a broker basically for you. Um, he got your quotes for you. And then he brokered out your product to another manufacturing facility. And uh, he that was the reason why you had so many problems with your orders and stuff because he wasn't producing your product Mm. he was just upcharging from what they were charging him and then you were still buying it (laughs) so anyways this new facility i knew what i was going through and uh they were able to try and rush me um uh, uh to get theirs completed in time for black friday hopefully uh and knowing that you know, the process of making molds and getting that all done was going to take forever. I picked up, I called to a local facility and said, here's my issues. What can you guys do to help me out? Um, it's a local American made company, literally 20 minutes from me. And he said, I can help you. So we've ordered a product from them. We uh, sold it immediately. People loved it. That it was American made hundred percent from front to bottom. Uh, prices are pretty similar to what you get online, but the pr- reason why is because I can't wholesale them because my wholesale cost for an American-made product, like I was mentioning, was like ten, eleven bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I could I could retail them at you know the twenty dollars and make you know my eight dollars plus minus all that ends up being like six bucks. Um, but I'm able to offer that to my customers for American-made product. Problem is, it takes a guy five weeks to make make the product so we're already sold out (laughs) waiting for another batch to be made and so we're sold out of that where my new manufacturing company still hasn't provided us our new order yet so we're we're still sold out even overseas and uh, all we have left are basically feathers and ugly goslings man and it's it's been one whirlwind of a of a year for us so yeah. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll end. I'll end at that part, man. And you could, you could, you could pick off that to ask me other questions. But yeah, no, that yeah, sounds that's what's been going on in our life over here. Man, yeah, that sounds like a crazy year. If that doesn't scream twenty twenty, then then nothing does. From man, that's just some crazy issues. So, um, but it sounds like you've been working hard, kind of, kind of pushing through them, and and still making something happen, even if it's you know, um, not meeting kind of your your uh, normal year standards and all that, but. Geez, yeah, I'm I'm glad uh, <laughs> I'm glad I don't have to deal with that that type of issue. Doesn't sound like a fun year for sure. No, man, it's been it's been a challenge. But like I said, man, I mean, God's taken care of our family the entire way. No matter what uh, has happened, we've always had been able to provide food for our kids, pay all of our bills, and uh, still save up to you know um, buy more product for our our customers to hopefully get produced soon. So it's been interesting. It's been a learning year. And like I said, out of this, uh, we've learned that, you know, we really are going to try our best to become from overseas to in, in States, actually locally, we're going to try and do it ourselves. Uh, so we've been looking at machines and stuff like that. And, uh, we're hopefully by 2022 or maybe in 2020, maybe 2021 by next year, we will be producing the finisher from start to finish ourselves in house. Everything. Awesome. Yeah. Like I, like so, I said, man, uh, you're, we're excited. About you're that. a, you're a true entrepreneur with all that. And that's, 
that's really cool to hear and, and cool to hear, you know, um, about how all the issues you've had and, and how you had to overcome it and, and now being able to produce that, you know, in-house American made this. So definitely pretty cool story, um, on that. Um, but let's, let's go ahead and kind of switch, switch gears here a little bit. Um, you know, how, you know, I, I think you probably have, um, a little better insight than most people or most businesses with all the expos you go to. Um, but everywhere I go, you know, everywhere I'm hunting, I see, you know, people with finishers on their, on their lanyards and, um, you know, with a drop hanging off the side or something like that. Uh, so you see them like all over the place, but what, I guess, what percentage of hunters you think actually know about the finisher? Man. So according to my research and here's my nerd nerd coming out, um, back in the heyday, we were at one point something million duck hunters. And I wouldn't really call them all duck hunters cause they were more coming from the duck dynasty era. Uh, but I think we've dwindled, dwindled down to about around a 700,000 from the last research I've done, um, of real duck hunters out there. So <clears throat> out of the 700,000 duck hunters, man, I would say at least, I don't know, man, I'm thinking 30 to 50%. And that's a wide variety of uh, percentages just because, man, I think there's a lot of people out there that, that, that we see wearing that, you know, you see it all over, but you know, that's social media. I mean, I don't know from, I don't know from my research, I've never looked at, you know, 700,000, how many of those 700,000 are actually on social media. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I, I just don't know. So I think, I think there's at least 50% that know about the finisher. Um, and I'm surprised because I'll go to these expos and, uh, and you know, young to old people, you know, you talk to them like, Hey, have you guys heard of the finisher yet? And they're like, the what? And I'm like the finisher, a bird killing tool. And they're like, no, what's that? You know, and I you educate them. About it, they're like, Oh wow. I've never heard of that. And so, you know, it, so it's, it's, it's crazy to me to know that you have like this young crowd that is, never heard of the finisher and then of course you get the older crowd which has never heard of it because you know a lot of them aren't on social media yeah and so that's why i like going to these shows but it blows my mind that these younger kids some of them still don't know about it um or maybe they just played dumb i honestly i just believe that they haven't heard about it so that's why i say 30 to 50 percent um know about the finisher and uh you know i I mean that's why we see it out there quite often because i think a lot of the social media people uh, I would say a higher percentage of them know about it um, than the ones that aren't on social media. But I just don't know how much account from the 700,000 on social media, I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, you got to take an account every, every year you have the new hunters that join too, but um, you know, kind of, kind of uh, along that idea, you know, one thing I kind of wanted to mention um, and Elliot and I kind of mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast from time to time, but there's definitely an importance, you know, uh, of being responsible for the animals we harvest. And I think, you know, the finisher along those lines is is pretty perfect um, for, you know, tackling uh, that that product and, and or that, that situation. Um, you know, one, one story I like to tell is when I first started getting hunting or when I first started waterfowl hunting, um, you know, I'd, I'd hunted other animals before that, but... When I first started waterfowl hunting, one of my buddies was showing me how to um, wring a bird's neck. And they're like, all right, and you just hold it like this, and you just grip it, and you swing it around like this, and whoosh, the bird literally went flying. And in his hand, he was holding the head. <laughs> and, you know, I picked up the rest of the bird, and it was just 
I mean, it was disgusting. Was it one that you wanted to mount? <laughs> I mean, it wasn't, unfortunately. It's oh, probably, okay. yeah. Yeah, that that would have been bad. You know? Coot. I know I know you like to shoot coots, man. But um, don't deny it. If it's brown it's down, wait, that's uh that's another sport. Um that, that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think it was a Canada goose of all things. Um and he was having trouble really? ripping his neck. head off a Canada goose. Oh yeah. Yep. And uh I mean wow. it had like the remainders, like I don't even know how to explain the bird's anatomy, but the remainders of it, like the skin and everything peeled off of it. And it was disgusting. And if, you know, I can see a lot of hunters, you know, being turned off by that new hunters. Not only that, but I mean, that poor bird, right? Because who knows if it actually killed so, it at that point. So, um, yeah, let's, let's go ahead. I mean, and, once, once you decapitate it, I, I think it's dead. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, let me, let me tell you a quick story, okay? I, I got a full story. So we went elk hunting this year, right? Oh, yeah. And um, as, as we're done with the morning hunt, and then that, and that ruined the morning hunt on the last day, oh, our second to last day, I guess it was, um, we were heading back down from the mountain, and I was looking out my, my, you know, my window, and like I always do, just kind of cruising back down to camp. And I look over, and I see this nice 160 bucks laying next to the, the road, the dirt road almost, probably about, you know, 30 yards from us. And I'm like, oh, wow, look at that buck. And my wife's like, oh, wow, that, that's a great buck. And then I'm looking, I'm like, where's the hunter at? And I was like, oh, let's pull over and, you know, congratulate him. But I look again and I see the deer's arm um, up in the fence, stuck in a fence. And I was mm. like, oh, my gosh, his arm's stuck. So immediately I'm like, okay, how in the world are we going to fix this? So I, I pull over and we, I turn off the truck and go over there and, you know, the deer isn't like kind of giving much of a struggle at all at this point. I mean, I don't know how long I've been, been there. I've, I'm guessing anywhere from 12 to 24 hours because we've been hunting that, that, that part, you know, pretty almost every, every morning. So I don't know if it got stuck after one of the mornings we were there. So that's what I'm saying, 24 hours or it got stuck there that night and just was struggling all night. But anyways, um, I go, I go up, to, I found an extra shirt in my, in my, in my truck. And I'm like, you know what? I, I've seen a lot of these, these videos and they always to try and keep the animal as calm as possible, you know, cover its eyes so it doesn't panic and all that. So I have my wife recording it only because in case I got stuck by the animal, there was proof that I, we weren't, you know, you know, harassing the animal or, uh, you know, if anything happened, I just wanted to have video proof of the, of the, of what we were trying to do. So, yeah. so she's recording this whole episode and we, we go up to this deer. His, his foot is like wedged in this fence bad. Like he looks like an older deer and I'm like, man, he jumped one too many fences in his life and this one got it. So I'm trying to figure out how in the world I'm getting this. So anyway, figuring out, I'm like, Hey, well, I'll use some sticks, you know, I'll get some sticks. I'll unwedge the fence. I'll just, you know, spin it back the other way and it'll free his foot. And then bam, the deer will run off and he'll be happy with, you know, I saved Bammy's life. <laughs> um so anyways we put the sticks in the fence I, they, the deer leg comes out finally the deer just lays there and i'm like ah oh, man you know maybe he needs to be moved out a little bit so i grab the deer and i, I pull him up a little bit and i kind of try and stand him up best i can the deer is just there and it's kind of like you can see something is really wrong with him and i'm like man this isn't good but mm. i kind of like at this point i pull my, my shirt falls off and the deer isn't really moving he's still alert and everything like that he's just not moving and i'm like Man, this isn't good. So I go back to the truck. I grab some water and I pour it on the deer, you know, and I'm trying to, I even pour some water in its mouth. I think it's dehydrated, you know, because I mean, we're elk hunting at this point. At this point. I'm not deer hunting. Even if I was deer hunting, I honestly would not have felt good even killing that deer. Like to me, it's just, it wasn't sport. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. 
So anyways, we, we try for man a, a while just to get this deer up and running and it's not. And I'm like, you know what? This isn't good. And we call a game warden. So I go to a little area, found some service. I call him, wait him for about an hour. He shows up. We go back over there and we look and the deer is still in bad shape. So he stays there for another hour trying to get him going and all that. And after a while, he's like, dude, this deer is just going to take a turn for the worst. And like, it's just end its life, you know? So we, we both get our knives and we, we slit his throat on both sides to cut it. You know, it's trying to end his life as quick as possible. So, and then he sells me the tag. So I'm like, well, I don't want it to go to waste. I'll, I'll, I'll take the meat. You know, so he sells me the tag. We cut it up immediately and we throw it in there and I take it down to the butcher. So I take the butcher and I say, Hey man, when I, when I was cutting this thing up, there was like a lot of water almost between both of its shoulders. I felt like a lot of trauma. And, uh, he's like, man, it was a deer under a lot of stress. And I was like, well, it seemed like it. I was like, but I don't know. I was like, I just, I'm worried about the meat. I said, if it looks like anything funky, please don't include it in the meat. Anyways, I get it back probably two weeks ago and, uh, I try and eat it and it was terrible. And I talked to him afterward. I'm like, dude, what is going on with this thing? And he's like, man, he goes, I don't know. That meat was a little funky looking dude. He goes, I don't know if that deer was just so stressed out that it just kind of tainted the meat the whole time. And it makes sense. So what I'm getting at is like, like your situation, putting a bird under so much stress can cause a lot of problems with the meat in, in that sense of stressing it out before it dies. You know, and I, I heard about studies about, you know, animals being stressed and getting all those uh, uh, stuff inside of the meat. Like, you know, the, I can't even think where you, like horm- hormones or not even hormones man they were it was they were talking about like uh what is it where you get like adrenaline there you go oh yeah, yeah like, okay. like you, you put a lot of adrenaline into the into the meat because you know you you heighten its senses and all that and it's freaking out and you're, you know you're holding it in your hand and then you're spinning it around and you're going to bite it and you know the last thing is it, it's just stressed out yeah. so they're saying that it, it could taint your meat like that and I tasted it in a large game and a bigger game animal for the first time. And man, and I didn't even tell any of this to my kid. And the last year I shot, uh, in September, you know, it died pretty quickly. It wasn't under too much stress. Like I shot it and it died within minutes. Um, I made summer sausage out of it. My kids loved it. We just finished that off. So I had this guy make summer sausage out of this one. Same time of year, everything like that. Everything, I mean, it was processed quickly. My kids, I gave them slices of it, and they're like, Dad, what is wrong? This tastes weird. This is gross. And I was like, and I don't tell them anything, but, man, I have a hard time swallowing it myself. <laughs> it's gross. Mm. So, I don't know. I'm just saying, I'm not saying the finisher is your miracle maker. I mean, obviously, a perfectly placed shot is going to be the, the key to that. But it potentially could help the flavor of your meat. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, cool. Um, so, you know, kind of, kind of, uh, you know, along these lines, you probably, you're probably better off kind of talking about all the benefits of a finisher than I am. And I, and I've definitely seen it sitting by you at expos and, um, you know, it's like you say, you hear every story under the boat about people, how they want to finish their birds from the Cajun crunch to, um, people, uh, clamping down on its neck until it can't breathe or holding it underwater. And I mean, just honestly some some terrible ideas right 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 um well i think i talked about this last time um but maybe for those who have not heard that prior podcast like i met i met three people so far that have caught bell's palsy from mm. uh, biting.tech 
And, you know, in addition to that, so I'm saying, I tell people, some people, I'm like, hey, you know, the finisher may not be your thing, or you want to go out there and you want to fasten your own nail and put it on a piece of wood and let it rust, whatever you want to do with next to your nice, beautiful calls. <laughs> you want to have this little <laughs> thing out there. That's your deal. I don't care. I mean, I do not mind. You do what you're thing. But um, no matter what, if you don't want to use my product, please, please do not bite the duck heads. And I, and I get a lot of people are like, ah, you ain't a man, you know, and if you're not doing that stuff. And I'm like, really? Because why? Because what, what makes, that makes you a man biting a duck head and getting blood in there? And aside from that, they used to catch Bell's palsy. And they're like, how do you catch that? That's, that's a, I had some dude tell me it was a sexually transmitted disease. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> man. This, this keyboard warrior knows nothing about Bell's palsy in the research other than you try to Google something and saw the first thing popped up and didn't change, pick out one thing from the neck. But Bell's palsy, basically how you get that is like a, a bacterial infection that attacks your nervous system. So obviously ducks, are one of the most bacteria infested birds, animals out there because they swim in coupons. They don't know the difference. They see a body of water, they're landing in there. You know, you know, you go, you go to Mexico and they tell you don't drink the water. That's, that's for a reason. You, you, it's <laughs> bad, it has a lot of bad things inside of it. Yep. These ducks swim in worse things in the water that you can get in Mexico. Mm. So that's what I try telling people. I'm like, just do not but ring the neck. Slam them against your gun, your tree, do whatever you want. Just do not bite that duck head. It's not the cool thing to do, but, you know, some people still do it, and, hey, that's, that's their deal. But I, I just at least try to educate people at least on the stuff that I've learned across the way because I honestly had never known that. I had this guy from Louisiana, you know, deep south, uh, told me about the Cajun Crunch, and he, he never heard about the product before, and uh, you know, telling about that. And he's the one who told me the story first. He said he shot two cans. He said he was close to a retention pond and realized that they were probably came out of there. Bit the head on one, bit the head on the other one. The next day, he said he was sicker than a dog. Went in. Uh, the doctor talked to him and said, hey, you know, because his mouth, he, he lost functionality of the left side of his face. Jeez. And he said that he had a start, he had a sleep with uh, his face on the pillow just to close his eyelid. Um, oh, otherwise, man. it stayed open. And uh, he said he had a drink. He had to cl close one side of his mouth. I mean, it was this, this whole ordeal. He told me all the symptoms of that. And he told me that his doctor told him he was bum whenever he, he bit the duck head. So basically how that bacteria enters into your system is by when you bite down on anything, if you happen to like scratch your gums that day from brushing your teeth, if you happen to bite into a piece of food that scratched your gum, anything like that, the bacteria enters into your bloodstream, goes into there and it attacks the nervous system. And that's where you end up losing functionality of half your face. Um, sometimes most majority of it, which is the good news, good news, not all down, Debbie Downers. Um, you, you can re most people regain functionality of their whole face after a couple weeks. Man. However, I did see in some instances, you, if you get Bill, Bell's palsy comes back again and it didn't fully clear your system, you, it could be permanent. Mm. So I don't know about you. I would rather just take yeah. the higher road and, you know, use the finisher or other <laughs> methods. I mean, that's your deal, but. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. No, you can, you can, uh, <laughs> I can safely say that there's no way I'm going to bite a duck's head after that, that horror story. And man, that would be, that would be awful. <laughs> I mean, I'm, yeah, that'd be awful. So, I mean, I'm not real familiar with Bell's Palsy. So you just, the only thing is you lose like control of your face. You don't lose any other type of muscle functionality or. No, no. So just basically like 
like half your face kind of just shuts it down <laughs> from from Bell's palsy. That yeah. sounds awful. Like your your eyelid stays open, starts watering all day. Mm. Um, this guy at an expo actually had it next to me, and he told me his story about the same kind of similar deal. Um, he was drinking water, and he was closing half of his mouth with other part of with his left hand just so he can drink through his uh, you know soda or whatever he was drinking. And he was the one who told me that he had to sleep on his face um, so that he, he his eye wouldn't dry out. Oh, wow. And I was like, dude, that is nuts. That is crazy. I haven't spoke with him since because they weren't, they weren't back there at the same expo the following year. I don't know if they moved locations or what, but I wanted to talk to him and see how long it was, uh, how, how long it had been for him um, until he gained all of his, you know, functionality of his face. Mm. Yeah. No, that's a, that's an easy choice for me. So <laughs> <laughs> I agree, man, but I mean, I'm biased. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> but nothing wrong with that. Um, so kind of, you know, I wanted to touch on, um, you got some other, uh, other functionality of, um, the finisher. And I know that this is something that's kind of new. Um, I know with kind of the original ones, you couldn't use them as the, the choke tube wrench and all that. So you want to hit on that? Yeah, I mean, uh, so I mean, on the way, like you mentioned, I just I'm always trying to improve to make the best thing for everybody. And uh, along the way, we, we ended up adding a choke tube wrench um, using the top part of the finisher for people. Um, I had to wait to announce it to everybody because I don't want to do all this, these features at once. You know I mean as as a business owner, you want to you want to roll things out, let it play out, and see if you, there's anything you need to adjust along the way before you make it wide, you know, mainstream. Um, so we ended up making the, the chokes tube. People loved it. So then in addition to that, I'm like, Hey, well, why don't we try and make it more of a functional tool for everybody? You know? So then we added in a bottle opener always for after hunt. And I mentioned that last time we don't ever encourage drinking and hunting together. I just don't think, believe that they go to hand in hand. Um, I know a lot of people like to keep finishers on their keys. So I think that's why the bottle opener would come in handy, you know, always after a hunt, if they had a bottle or something like that, and they wanted, that's the reason why we cut that in there. Um, and then I know also sometimes I'm out in the field and for whatever reason, I, I always need like a screwdriver, man. And, and, uh, some, something or another, I, I'm searching for it and I can never find it. Or I'm trying to use my knife. So we added a screwdriver on the bottom part where you hit, attach it to your, your keys. So those are new features that we rolled out this year um for 2020 uh, and obviously uh, people have loved it but we have not been able to do a full wide scale launch of it because of all the issues i mentioned earlier um with that uh manufacturing problem yeah nice so well, we're excited to roll it out on a full large scale one day awesome yeah, no. Uh, so do you got kind of a forecast, you know, with, with everything else? I mean, are you expecting some more smooth selling coming, you know, in the future? <laughs> Man, I've, I've learned uh, you never count your, your chickens before they're hatched because you don't know how many are going to be dead when, whenever you think they're supposed to, uh, you know, <laughs> hatch. And uh, I've told people, you know, I get customers, honestly, all day long, uh, I get customers, you know, I can't believe you guys are out of stock. When are you going to be back in stock? And I tell them two weeks those two weeks come and gone and I'm like, Oh, should we next week? A week comes and gone is gone. And, you know, I, I know for, I wouldn't say for a fact, I'm going to be in stock by Thanksgiving. Um, I know for sure <laughs> we'll have everything in stock for Christmas. 
um, because that's when I know for sure this new manufacturing company will have that their product to us. Plus, I know that our American-made finishers will have that order done in time as well. Um, so I know in December we will, and I know a lot of the time people are like, well, it's already almost over the season. But, you know, it's been a huge devastation for us as well, knowing that uh, things have been this bad um, for us and our customers because I do my best, man, to try and make every customer satisfied above and beyond what a normal um, person would, would get through any other company. And that's my goal always to make sure that they know we go above and beyond for them and including being in stock with product. So like I said, that's normally why I make all my orders back in January. So I can have everything ready for the new season that comes out well before it even starts. But uh, this year just happened to be one of those years that, you know, it fell apart. So I'm not going to give a timeline of (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when we're going to be ready to rock and roll, uh, only because I've been set up with so much disappointment this year from, you know, being scammed from a manufacturer to scams from friends to, you know, my, my painting facility being um, over a month late to, mm. you know, er, who else knows what's going to come above, above. 2020 is not over yet. Yeah. Tw- so. <laughs> 2020 <laughs> is not over, but hopefully the drama is and, and everything, all that. Man, that would be great. Yeah. If this is the worst, then, you know, I, I'll be okay. You weathered the storm and all that. So let's yeah. go ahead and, you know, hunt, hunting season just came in for you guys. I know you said you haven't you haven't been out, but you got any uh, big big plans coming for uh, duck season? Man, I'm, I'm hoping to make it out to at least one or two trips. Um, I wanted to, to possibly go up to Utah with, I have some friends up there, Jessica and Corbin Cox. Uh, they've been doing really well up there in Utah. Uh, my friend Richard Gonzalez, uh, he's more of a, pr- a predator hunter, but he still does a lot of the waterfowl as well. So they've always had an open invite, and that's only maybe like nine hours for me, and I thought maybe that would be a nice trip. Um, I also had another friend out in, in Texas invite, invite us out to uh, go hunt ducks, basically – it's 70 degrees all, all year round down there in uh, Texas. It's down there. It's called the Getaway Lodge. You know, they do waterfowl hunting plus fishing and stuff like that. And it's a pretty cool place. I even was able to feed deer and stuff down there. So I've been trying to plan that out as far as trip-wise. Uh, we haven't planned on possibly doing a feed duck hunt, but I haven't been able to put anything down on paper on those yet. So honestly, I mean, if I'm able to make those two hunts this year, that'll be great. And as far as like hometown hunting, uh, I'm working on another project, uh, to try and get some extra cash just cause like I said, I'm a, I'm a hustler. <laughs> so anything that comes across my desk and people are like, Hey, do you think about this? I'm like, okay, let's do it. Um, so I jumped on that. So that's taking the majority of my time that that won't end till December 1st, this contract. So I'm having to work every day and I'm not much of a weekend hunter. I like to hunt during the week days because there's not as many people out there and, it's just nicer, man. It's a little more spread out. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm, I hopefully get in at least, you know, I at least got two, three times this year. I mean, it's going to be a very low amount, but I mean, I'll just, I'll be happy just to get out a little bit. I just enjoy just getting out either we shoot ducks or we don't shoot ducks. Um, in January, I have my deer hunt and then February we typically hit up, hit the road and on expos and that our, our season ends at the end of January. So, 
this will be the first year I actually get to hunt a full season, but I don't get to because of uh, my this little a side job that I picked up. It's going to keep me busy till December. So I mean, I should have at least a full month of hunting uh, the weekdays if I get a chance. Awesome, awesome. Well, um, really appreciate you coming on, Dave. Uh, you know, like I said, uh, definitely awesome. Always having a, a bud come on, and you know, appreciate you guys jumping on the support of the podcast as well. And, um, you know, uh, to let people know if you guys want to jump over and, you know, when you get them back in stock, I'll make sure to do a Facebook <laughs> post or something like that. Um, but you guys can use the code, yeah. uh, duck gun 2020 over there. Oh, sorry. Duck gun 15. Got the, got that one confused. <laughs> duck gun 15. Come on, over man. There. <laughs> They do, if they do Doug Gun 2020, they're gonna probably it's gonna probably be a computer virus or something like that. They're gonna destroy everything. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Not the best year to put in, right? But um, no, no, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, you got you got any last words you want to want to say or uh, you know tell people where they can find your social media website, all all the good stuff. So like yeah, I mean we're we're called the Finisher Official on Instagram, uh, Facebook. I think it's just a finisher. And then, um, you know, our website is adrenaline.com, A-D-R-E-N-A-L, and then the little hyphen mark, L-I-N-E.com. Um, we will, if you, like I said, we're out of stock almost every single thing. Uh, we are in Bass Pro this year. Um, we're shipping out their orders probably Thursday. So hopefully by next week. I mean, I don't know when this podcast is airing. So um, I would say the second week of November, uh, Bass Pro should have it available in their stores and possibly online. So um, that might be the quickest route to get the product in their hands if you want to do that. It also helps me, you know, with uh, support from those retailers to show that, you know, people want their product, my product in the stores. So we always appreciate that. If you happen to stop by Shields or Cabela's Bass Pro and you see our product on there, if you're able to purchase a product on there, um, you know, send us a picture or whatever and we'll uh we'll hook you up with some free free uh decals and stuff like that awesome all righty fellas well thanks everybody for tuning in for another week of the duck gun duck gun podcast guys make sure for real go go check them out over there on all social media and check them out on the website wherever there's never been a better time ever to support local american-made companies uh and like like we've said all all episode, Dave's Dave's a hustler uh, out there working hard. And this year hasn't been easy on the waterfowl industry or, or you know self made companies like that. So it's never been a better time to support those people. Um, so definitely check those guys out. You won't be disappointed. Anyways, guys, that's all we got for this week. I'm Jordan Deccan Chronicles, Dave from Finisher, and we'll see you guys on the next one. Have a good one.